0: One of those situations where I came away, every time you go away and you, I don't know if you're like me, but solitude is a really therapeutic thing for me. When I get away from everything, and we spend a lot of time just lazing on the beach and not doing a lot, and, and solitude is a great space for you to think. It's a great space for you to reconnect. Sometimes our thoughts get scattered because they're chasing off all kinds of things, and, and sometimes our, our brains, our thoughts, and our spirit are, are so disconnected it's not funny, and some, I think that's one of the reasons why you see in, in the beginning of Mark, and also you see it a lot in Luke, the references to Jesus, that he would, he would be in the midst of busy ministry, but he would find a quiet, solitude place. Solitude is not a word for those of you going into high school. I just made that one up. Solitary is a better word. He would find himself, he would go to a solitary place, the Bible says, and he would pray. He would get away from the crowds and the massive ministry and the work, and he would find a quiet place whether it be a garden or whatever, and he would pray. I think there's something about solitude and quietening ourselves down and quieting down our spirit and our brains and just being able to let those things reconnect and then allow the flow of God's creativity to go. And so whenever I'm on holidays, I find that. I just get so filled with ideas and thoughts and things. Um, Thankfully, this time I've got a journal and I've written things down so I can process them. But the only downside to that is you come back and, and you want to share something, but I can't because I started something a few weeks ago and we've got to follow it through. So um, otherwise, see, by nature, I'm one of these guys that, that, that go, okay, we're going to do a four week series on this and we'll, we'll last one week two tops, then I want to move on to something else. So I'll be, uh, you know, I've, I've written a book before, but only half a book. If I wrote a song, I'd probably only make half a song and then I'd get too distracted and caught up on something else. So I'm going to do the right thing today and we gonna go right back to where we started the year. And that was we began talking about what are the things that we need to do in 2018. What are the things that we need to do to strengthen ourselves, to strengthen our spirit, to strengthen our relationship with God so that when we get to the end of this year, we're not looking back and making the same spiritual resolutions, for lack of a better term. We're not making the same decisions at the end of this year going into 2019 that we made at the start of 2018. And that seems to be the pattern for most people. We make the same resolutions every year. We get a little bit of momentum. We go for, I think, six weeks is the average before people break all their new year's resolutions and we've all got lots of resolutions in the natural things we want to do new year's eve there's nothing miraculous about it but it is a good marker it's a point in time each year where we go right time to change time to do things differently time to be the person i want to be time to live the kind of life i want to live to prioritize the things that are important and to push aside the things that are not but on top of that to be successful and to grow as believers we need to have spiritual things in our life as well amen We need to have some spiritual markers. There are things that we need to do. Otherwise, what's going to happen is you find yourself a year into your walk with God, two years, five years, ten years, thirty, fifty years, and you look back down the track and you still feel like you're struggling with the same things you struggled in the first two years of your walk with God. You're still trying to get the same disciplines in place that you were trying to get back here. I struggled at start to read the Bible and here I am, thirty years a Christian, I still don't read my Bible daily. Here I am, thirty years down the track, I still don't pray consistently. Here I am 30 years down the track, I still haven't decided that church is a priority for me. 30 years down the track, I still haven't decided that I'm going to make the decisions that need to be made based on the word. There's a whole bunch of things spiritually that we need to put into our life. If we want to finish this year stronger spiritually than what we did at the start. So we started talking about that the last few weeks and there were four things I mentioned. The first one was the Word of God. Go back the last couple of weeks and you can go on iTunes and get the podcast for that. We talked about the importance of the Word of God and then we talked about how we approach the Word of God. What does that look like? How do we get the most out of it? This week I want to move on to the second thing. And the second thing that we need to get into our life in order to finish this year stronger than when we started from a spiritual and a Christian perspective is we need to connect with people. We have a word for this in the church. We call it fellowship. Fellowship. That's the term that we use. We need to be gathering together with other people of like mind and like spirit. Probably the, when we think of fellowship, the primary thing that we think about for most people is we think about a, a gathering. Whether it be a, a Sunday morning church service or, or a Friday night church service or a, a Monday or whatever. But we think about these big gatherings with small groups of people coming together for the purpose of worshipping God, hearing the word of God, taking communion together, praying and so on, and building uh, their spiritual lives, but building them together. Now I want to just start by saying something, what exactly is fellowship? Because I think a lot of people in the church have a wrong concept of what fellowship is. And as a result of that, they have a bad premise on what fellowship is, so they make choices that I believe personally don't line up with what the Bible teaches us. So just a couple of things. Fellowship comes from the Greek word koinonia. We've all heard of koinonia. If you haven't, go down to Evan's Head. There's a camp there called koinonia, okay? Fellowship camp. It comes from the Greek word koinonia. Let me give you four little known facts about koinonia or what we term fellowship. Number one, it was used to describe corporations, labor guilds, Partners in a law firm and the most intimate of marriage relationships. That's what the word was originally used for. It was originally used to describe corporations, businesses, law firms, uh, or the most intimate of relationships within a marriage where people are dependent on one another. Dependent on one another. Number two, it was never used to describe man's relationship to God until after the Holy Spirit falls. The word's never used to describe our relationship with God, fellowship with God, until after the Holy Spirit came. So before that, fellowship was a, a relationship, a union between business people and, and, and legal firms and, 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 and scenarios where people were interdependent upon each other for success. Little okay? known fact number three, fellowship was never just being together, but doing together. Fellowship was never just being together, Quinonia is doing together. So people say, well, no, no, I have fellowship every day, I'm just having fellowship with this person while we just go and have coffee. People say, well, we don't go to church anymore, we just have a fellowship meeting in our house, and so on. Now, that might be fellowship, it might not necessarily be fellowship according to, and we're trying to be biblical here, according to the word of God. It may or it may not be. Fellowship was never just being together but doing together and little known fact number four, fellowship was not just doing anything together, it's doing God's will together. The biblical word koinonia is doing God's will together, dependent upon each other for success, dependent upon each other to achieve, to to, to be walking as a group, hand in hand together, holding the hand of God towards a destination in life that God has determined. A a, a great definition I found from a a, a Bible teacher was this. Fellowship is a relationship of inner unity amongst believers that expresses itself in outer co-participation with Christ and one another in accomplishing God's will on earth. In other words, fellowship as the Bible talks about it, is you and me joining ourselves together, working together, dependent upon each other's strengths, dependent upon each other's abilities, and moving forward together to accomplish not what we want, but to accomplish the will of God here on planet Earth. That's biblical fellowship. That's biblical fellowship. So we could gather together and just be sitting around getting to know each other, and unfortunately, today we just call that fellowship. Well, look, that's great. There's nothing wrong with having cups of tea and coffee together and chatting and talking about our family. Nothing wrong with that. But let's not mistake in that and go. Well, I've just gone and had fellowship. Therefore, I don't really need to perhaps tend to uh, attend a, a body a, a, a gathering on a Sunday or a Monday night. I don't need to gather with people like that because I just have my fellowship throughout the week with people. Well. That's okay. It's nothing wrong with doing that, nothing unbiblical. But please don't make the mistake of calling that biblical fellowship because that's not what biblical fellowship is. That is not what koinonia is in the Word of God. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 to 11, it says this. And and I'll be able to to tell you what it says as soon as I can get my eyes to adjust to the page. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 11. We all know this passage because we hear it at weddings and so on. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. So two people are better than one. Why? Because the output is going to be greater. What is it saying? It's saying that not just the two are just hanging out together, we're laboring together. We're doing something together, and we do it together, we get a greater reward than if we were doing it by ourselves. When two walk together, when they labor together, there is a great reward for their labor. Watch this, verse 10. If they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls. Isn't it a shame that so many people have thrown themselves out of fellowship, don't want to fellowship, don't want to be involved in a local church, and I'm not advocating this church. I don't care whether you come to this church or another church. What I do care about as believers is that you put yourself into a body somewhere where you can get alongside of that vision, where you can work alongside of those people towards a common goal. And that goal is to get to know God ourselves better and to make God known to the world around us. Okay? So please hear from the start. I am not here saying you have to come to this church. I'm not here saying that I believe fellowship means you must be... Look, we're not the best group of, uh, a gathering of believers in the community. We're not the best. We're the best for me because God's called me to be here. But we're not the best. But we are a gathering, we are a fellowship. We are here, meant to be working together, praying for one another, depending on one another, leaning on each other and going somewhere together. That is firstly, upwards into deeper intimacy with God and secondly, getting out there and working in our community to show them the reality of the love of God. If they fall, one will lift his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls. Have you ever fallen down alone? I have. And you know what? Depending on what you've done to yourself, it can be mighty tough getting back up. It's certainly a lot easier getting back up after a fall when somebody grabs you by the left arm and grabs you by the right arm and helps you to your feet. It's a lot easier to be brought up by other people than it is to sometimes bring ourselves up, especially when we're hurting. Especially when we're hurting. That's a picture of fellowship. When we're down, when we're out, when we're struggling, when we've been hurt, when we've been knocked down, that we get around a community of people that pick us up, help us up, get us back on our feet, maybe carry us for a little bit while we get the strength back in our legs and eventually the right thing is we let them go so that we can start walking again. That's a picture of what fellowship is. Woe to the person that falls down with nobody there to pick them up. I don't know how many people have pulled themselves out of fellowship and then fallen down. And guess what? When they've hit the ground, there's been nobody there to pick them up. And sometimes the people that come and pick them up are the wrong people. They'll pick them up and take them down another direction that they don't want to go down. This could have all been solved or you could have put yourself in a better position by staying connected together in what we call biblical fellowship. Staying connected together with a family, with a group of people. In Acts 2:42 it says that the early church continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. They gathered together around God's purpose. They gathered together around the purposes of God, there was prayer, there was teaching, there was communion Pretty much sounds like a Sunday service to me. Sounds like what most churches try to do on a Sunday morning, part of a Sunday morning routine. And these guys met steadfastly and they got involved in these things. It's interesting that there's no point in Scripture anywhere where the Bible says they had to do this. Have you ever noticed that when you read your Bible? Nowhere, nowhere are they told they had to do this. What happens is one day, Peter's preaching and thousands get saved. After they get saved, the Holy Spirit comes upon them And the Bible says their instant reaction when the Spirit came upon them was we want to get together with other people who have the Spirit. We want to hear from the Word of God. We want to pray. We want to celebrate the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. It happened because the Spirit filled them and the Spirit draws us to other spiritual people. The Holy Spirit is a unifying Spirit. And so they got filled with the Spirit and they went to do this. Nowhere were they told they had to do it. It baffles me today that, that, that you feel like sometimes you've got to beg people to go to church. You've got to almost beg some people to just give up a couple of hours of your life to come to church, to come and gather with a bunch of other people. Come and fellowship with us this morning. You're almost begging people to come. And these are people that will look you in the eye and say, no, I'm right with God. My relationship with God is fantastic. I love Jesus. You know You can't love Jesus and not love his people. You can't love Jesus but not love his people. Not genuinely. You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit yet have something inside you that's repulsed by other believers. Now look, I'll be the first one to say there are a lot of other believers. Paul, I think it was, wrote that, that we're aliens and strangers in this earth. Has anyone read that passage? We're aliens and strangers on the earth. It was Paul's way of saying, you know what, this is not our home. We're aliens and strangers. Aliens live in space. Strangers live somewhere else. They don't live here. This is not their natural habitation. And we are aliens and strangers. This is not our natural habitation. We're passing through is what he was saying. Now let's be real. I have known Christians who I I genuinely believe that they are aliens. I do. I've met Christians who are so kooky and so weird and so out there that I have no problem imagining you as an alien. You are an alien. You're not of my type. And there are other Christians I've met, and I genuinely wish I could say they were strangers. But unfortunately, I know them. But they're weird. They're strange. And they do things that I cringe sometimes. And they go out in the streets and they do things, and I go, oh my goodness. But guess what? They're my family. They're my family. You know, when I married Jackie, guess what? I got a father in law thrown in there, old Roddy. I got Valley thrown in as a mother. I didn't ask for them, I just wanted her. But guess what? I couldn't have her if I didn't have her mum, her dad, her brothers. Then I've got these bunch of cousins and extended families and second uncles. I mean, they all just got thrown. I didn't ask for that. I just wanted Jackie. But guess what? I can't have Jackie without having the rest of her family. It's a package deal. And you can't have Jesus without having his church. It's a package deal. It's a package deal. Every church has that weird uncle, you know, the missing teeth and talks loud at the barbecues. and you know, Everybody's got that uncle. Who, who's got that person in their family, that one? One hand at a time, Daniel. Everyone's got that person, you know? But guess what? They're still your family. Whether you like it or not, they're your family. They're your family. It breaks my heart when people go, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. I love Jesus, but I don't want to go to a fellowship anymore. I don't want to connect myself in with a body of believers. There's something not right about that for me. Yes, you've been hurt. Oh, I've been hurt too. I've been hurt by my family, but guess what? They're still my family. And I bounce back and you go, yeah, and you get on with things. We've all been hurt. People say, I hate organised religion. What is that? Someone give me a picture of unorganised religion. What is unorganised Is that what you're saying? I don't like organised... I want unorganised religion. Well, great. Guess what time we're starting church next Sunday? Not telling you. I'm not going to tell you. Guess who's preaching? Or are they not preaching? Or are they preaching? Or are they not preaching? Are we going to sing songs? Are we going to read from this book? Or shall we pick another? What is this? I don't like organised religion. You don't mind that the school you go to is organised. You don't mind that the workplace you work in is organised. You don't mind that Woolworths are organised. They open and close at a certain time. You don't mind the petrol bouncers are organised. They're going to charge you a certain amount. You don't barter with them. They open and close at a certain... You don't mind the surf shops. You don't mind organisation everywhere else in the world. You've got organisation in your own home, but you don't want organised religion. How ridiculous. Like, I wonder sometimes, do we ever sit back and think about some of the things that we say? You know? I love the church and I love fellowship. You know how much I love the church? We just went on holidays. And guess what I did on my holidays on Sunday? We went to church. Actually, I went to church twice one Sunday morning and one Sunday night. It was fantastic. You know what? We didn't go there because we had to. Matter of fact, I didn't have to do anything at any of those churches. It was wonderful. We just walked on in and sat there. And, you know, the second church we went to on Sunday night was all these young people, about 120 young people. And they were just worshipping God and the environment was intense, the atmosphere. They were expecting God to move from them. You could just sense in the air the faith, the anticipation. So much so that when the guy was giving the announcements, I was waiting for someone to get saved and healed. That's how much faith was there. He wasn't even talking about God. He was just talking about announcements. But I thought, someone's going to get saved here. It was so energetic and alive. We went to another one Sunday morning, a little bit different sort of demographic and that, more in the city. It was, it was good. It was great. People were wonderful. I will admit this, it's the first time in my life I said, thank you, Jesus, for parking meters. Preacher just went on and on and on and on and on and ended up going, well, Jackie, praise God, we've got to leave. We're going to get a fine. Otherwise, let's go. So we left. But that's fine. You get that. You get that someplace. You know, some of you probably sit there and go, wish he would shut up just going on and I look at the time. Well, I can tell. I'm not sure. But I see your faces sometimes. Depending on how I'm feeling, I go, yeah, that looks like a challenge. I'm just going to keep on going. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. They gather together around the purposes of God. Because when we get a revelation of the cross, our perspective on life changes. We want to be with God's people. I want to be with the right people. I want to be with people that are going to push me down the path of life that I want to go down, which is the path that God wants me to go down. And you know, what? I believe that you people will help me go down that path. I believe that you will. I believe that, that, that we, we are encouraging each other. I believe that we will help each other as we learn to be dependent on each other. So you don't all want to be in here just these stoic tree things that don't need help. You know what, I'll be the first one to say, I've got plenty of areas of my life that need to improve. I've got plenty of areas of my life where I need to grow, where I need to be challenged in. I've got plenty of areas like that. And I trust a group of people around me that God will use them to do that. And I've had that since, I, since we started here in the church. I've been challenged by people here. I've grown through my relationships with people here. I've had areas of my own weaknesses exposed through my interactions with some. You know, I go home and go, God, I can't believe I thought like that. Or, you know, God, I'm sorry. Change me, Father. Make me more like Jesus. That's what happens when we draw together in fellowship. When we learn to depend on each other. When we do fellowship God's way. When we go, you know what, we're, we're here under a common banner. That common banner is not a Arise Church. The common banner is the blood of Jesus. That common banner is not, we want to do something here, Alan and Jackie want to... That's not that. The common banner here is God's got us here for a purpose. God has a vision for Geneleba. God has a vision for the community that we are in. We can sit on the sideline and we can come along to church and we can point and we can have all kinds of excuses and reasons why it shouldn't happen or why it can't happen or, something. or we can dive one in the river of faith and go let's go on this thing together Lord let's do this that's what biblical fellowship is it's doing the will of God together it's not just hanging around having coffees although that's fine potluck dinners All that that's fine barbecues All that that's fine nothing wrong with that but the biblical word koinonia means walking together down the path and purposes of God towards his will together as a group that's what koinonia is, that's what fellowship is. Hebrews ten twenty three to 25, the writer of Hebrews says this, he says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised us faithful, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. Isn't it amazing? Way back then, way back then, when the writer of Hebrews wrote the letter, even back then there were people going, no, oh, I don't need fellowship. I don't need to go to fellowship anymore. It shouldn't surprise us that we live in a community now, in a world today, where so many people just disassociate themselves from the church, from the broader body. When I say the church, I mean, yep, you can call it organised religion, whatever you want, but I mean disassociate themselves from public gatherings and fellowships. It was happening way back then, we shouldn't be surprised. The church has never been perfect, people. Pick up the book of Acts, look at what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. Pick up the book of Acts, read about Paul and Barnabas arguing over John Mark and this great missionary couple that travelled the world together, preached the gospel and had such a breakdown of relationship that they went their separate ways because they couldn't agree on this one person that Barnabas wanted to take on a missionary journey. Yet we act as if dissension and, and things like that, it's all new and it's all modern. Yeah, mate, it was going on way, way, way back then. Read the book of Acts and you'll see that the... the the, the Greek-speaking widows uh, were complaining because they reckoned they were getting treated wrong in the dispersion of food in Jerusalem when they were handing out food to the widows. They said, us Greek-speaking Jewish uh, 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 ladies, we're not getting looked after. You're giving it to all the actual Jewish ones. It's a little bit of dissension. There are issues. They've been going on for years. If that's not enough, pick up the book of Corinthians. It'll curl your toes, some of the stuff going on in those churches. Terrible. The church has never been perfect. The church will never be perfect. Yet the writer of Hebrews still says, do not stop getting together. 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 I know a lot of people that have completely pulled themselves out of fellowship don't want anything to do with the church anymore. And it's sad. And you know what? I know so many people that started out because they looked at the church or the gathering and said, you guys aren't doing it right. You guys aren't doing enough. You're doing So I'm going to go out here and do my own thing. And guess what? They die in the end. I've never seen a single one of them go out and make a difference in the world. That's just my view on the world. That's just the people I know. I'm not saying it hasn't happened. I'm saying I see people get disassociated from fellowship because they don't like it. They run out there with the best of intentions to do something and realise really, really quickly that you need people around you to do things. You achieve so much more together than you ever will by yourself yet people continue to do it I've got some good friends of mine in Youth of the Mission we were part of YWAN for about 12 years fantastic organisation I'm talking people who were missionaries for years around the world people that were running ministry training centres people that were training up hundreds if not thousands of young people sending them all around the world through a series of events ended up all back in the one city together and decided we don't like the way the church does it anymore because we've had all this experience in missions and that. So they went out and started their own little group, one by one, all their marriages have fallen apart. Most of them don't go to church anymore. These are people that, as a young Christian, I looked up to as my mentors. These were people that I looked up to and thought, man, these guys have got it, you know? And I look at them today, and I keep hearing more and more stories about their lives. And you know where it started? Because they decided we're above church fellowship now. We don't need this anymore. We'll just get together with our own little group Because, I don't know, maybe they thought that the church wasn't feeding them, wasn't meeting their need. In other words, they weren't getting out of it what they want to get out of it. Let me take you back to Hebrews for a second. What does it say? It says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us what? Let us what? Consider who? People get frustrated with fellowship. People pull themselves out of church and disassociate for one reason only. They stop considering one another and all they do is consider themselves. I'm not getting what I want. I'm not getting fed. I'm not getting the microphone or the platform. I'm not getting the recognition. I'm not getting the opportunity. And they start considering themselves first. And one by one to a man, everybody that starts considering themselves first finds reasons to complain and reasons why their church is not good or why it's wrong or why they should leave and they'll justify before you know it. They're out there on their own. What did the writer of Hebrews say to these people that are thinking about that? He said, I know there's people in your community, in your church that just don't want to go to fellowship anymore. I know there are people that don't want to do life with you anymore or do the mission of God and so on with you. And he said, here's what I want you to do. To stop that from being you, he says, I want you to consider one another. You know, I woke up this morning, a funny thing happened. I got out of bed, I put my foot on the ground, I fell flat on my face. Bang, hit the deck. I thought, this is strange. I'm looking around, I look down and my left foot was totally gone. Totally gone. I had no left foot. And I'm on the ground scratching, where is my left, I looked up at the chair and there's my left foot sitting on the chair over there by itself. I said, what are you doing? And I said, I've just had enough of you. I don't want to be a part of the body anymore. So I'm going to go and do my own thing. And then you know what happened, I had the last laugh because the foot said, can you help me tie up my laces? I said, no, do it yourself. You ever seen a foot try to tie up its own shoelaces without fingers and hands? Can't do it because we're dependent. We're dependent, we need each other. And that's what it's like with people who disassociate themselves from fellowship. They cut themselves off with no concern for how that's going to impact the bigger body of Christ. No concern, no thought for the impact that's going to have on other people. Because we get self-consumed and we stop considering everybody else and all I do is consider myself. If I was to consider myself in my own church, I'd probably leave. I probably would. If I was just to consider myself and my wants and my needs and my expectations of what I want to see, I'd probably leave my own church. But guess what? I wouldn't go to any other church either because none of them fit the perfect mould of what I want for a gathering of people. None of them do. None of them do. But you know what? If I pull myself out, and I did this for years, I did it for seven years, I pulled myself out of fellowship. And you know what I did in the end? All I did was I hurt myself Incredibly by not having great people around me to encourage me in my relationship with God, to point me in the right direction, to pick me up when I fell. My life ended up going down a bad way. I would never have said that at the time, but I certainly was not building my relationship with God and I was not walking towards the will of God for my world and I was not making an ounce of difference out there in the community for the kingdom. I was not doing that. But you know what else I did? I hurt the body of Christ. Because all of a sudden, the gifts that I have upon my life, I just decided I'm going to pack up my bat and ball and go home and you're not having any of what I've got. And you know what I did? I hurt the body of Christ by doing that because I have something to offer. Maybe your gift is to stand up and preach. Maybe your gift is is this heart of compassion you have to hear where people are at. Maybe your gift is to, to love on people that nobody else loves. Maybe your gift is to smile at someone when they walk in a door and you're probably the first person to smile at them all week. There's a whole bunch of gifts and things out there that we have that we bring to the table and when we disassociate ourselves from any fellowship, we take that gift out of the packet. We take it away believe anyone will find the complete, full, unadulterated, clear will of God for themselves by being isolated away from fellowship and community. You won't find it. You'll get a distorted perspective of it. You'll find a second-rate call, but you won't find the call of God and you won't run into it if you do that. I'm going to finish up here, but I just want to to finish up with this. We'll skip a bit of stuff. I've got a lot of stuff here on this that I want to talk about, but we don't really have time, but Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1, it says this. It says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. And that's exactly what happens when we isolate ourselves from fellowship. We're not considering one another or others. We are seeking our own desires. And because we're not getting them, we're so consumed with the vision of what we want that we pull ourselves away from fellowship and we isolate ourselves from the bigger Body of Christ. You know, when I went to church on Sunday night, you know what I loved about the church on Sunday night where we went to? It was full of, there was about 120 of the sort of young people. It was a night service. It was a youth service, you know. And the music was great. uh, The preaching was good. But you know what I enjoyed the most about it? I walked in that room and at one point we're worshipping and and, and so on. And I'm looking around, I'm thinking, you know what, God? There's 120 ministers in this building right now. There were 120 ministers. Only one of them got a microphone in their hand and only four of them got on the stage during worship. One other guy did some announcements. But there were 120 ministers in that building. Everybody in that building brought faith. Everyone in that building brought expectation. Everybody in that building brought their gift to the table and were keen and eager and waiting for the opportunity to use that. Even if it was just to turn to the person next to them and say, you know what, you have a fantastic night. If it was to greet somebody new at the end of church, they were straight over there and and talking and greeting people. But everybody in that building brought something. And the energy and the excitement in that room, we were complete strangers. It made me think when I walked in there, you know what? I would come back to this church. I will drive an hour and a half to get back to that church, not because the preaching was the best I'd ever heard, not because the worship was the best I'd ever heard. But the environment... That each one of those people created when I walked in there was so impressive that I'd go back just to be in that place with life and passion. And we're going to, we've talked to the kids, they loved it, talked about well, every now and then Sunday night we're going to drive there just to go in there, and to be in that environment with the life, the energy, the passion. Those people were fellowshipping. They weren't just sitting together in a meeting. They were fellowshipping together. They were growing in their relationship with God together. You could see it. They were eagerly listening to the Word of God. They were praising God with abandon. They were. They were. You could tell that they were keen. They were expecting God to move. They were expecting an an altar call and someone to get saved. They were expecting healing. They were expecting. And I thought, man, that's fellowship. That's all these people. They're going together, doing God's will. They're not just sitting there as a spectator while somebody else up the front does God's will for them. They were going, no, I'm there and I'm fulfilling God's will right now. I'm part of the will of God today for this service. It was so impressive. It stuck with me. We walked away from that and we decided, man, we're going we're gonna to come back to this place. Just in closing, I talk to a lot of young people because I still do a bit of teaching and stuff at Youth of the Mission Centres and so on. I was talking to a young person recently and they made this really amazing observation. This young person said to me, you know, when I turn 18, I'm not going to stop going to church. It always gets my attention that because we, we all got kids and we know when they're 18, you can't make them, you let them go. And they looked me in the eye and said, when I turn 18, I'm not going to stop going. And I thought, that's interesting. I said, why? And they said, well, here's why. And they told me the story of a couple of really, really close friends of theirs. And they made the connection. They said when these people stopped going to church they started hanging out with the wrong people and one thing led to another and he said now when I look at their lives I can see the starting point of where they are now away from God, away from his will and he said I can see the starting point. Step one, stop coming to fellowship. Step one of that downward spiral, they said, was stop going to church. I was so impressed. I encouraged that person. I said, I pray and I hope that that's exactly what you do because that is a fantastic, mature, spirit-inspired observation. Stop fellowshipping with, with other believers. Stop loving getting together with each other. Find excuses why you don't. Get, that Get is step one in my mind for beginning to walk away from God Away from His will and away from His purposes, and I pray for us here when we come to church, when we gather together, and, and, and when I say church, we all know what I mean by that. We are the church, not the building, not the gathering. We are the church, but the church fellowships. Jesus said, "I'll build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it." But when we gather together, I pray that if people in here, that be a bunch of people just want a meeting, that people. Fellowship. I want to thank you. God, thank you for your word. God, it's more than I, I would love to hear about this wrap it so up from here today. I encourage us in our walk with you and come to each other for. God. We are a perfect church. We're all right. And I don't care how long we have, and I don't care how long we get and We will. See never be, still never be, doing. do your, have got to pray for each, walk away from questions, of understanding, to why we need each other, why we need to be not to get together, but why we need fellowship with one another father. this week for each of us as we